It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. More time has passed since Auburn's crushing loss in the Iron Bowl, and it's not getting any better. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining me as he does every single Monday, it's Lindsey Crosby of AuburnDaily.com and a million other places. And Lindsey, that was a tough one on Saturday. That was a tough one. We'll talk about what Auburn does next as well as a specific uh, position group wide receiver. I think it's going to be fascinating with how they manage that part of the roster. But let's continue to focus exactly on what went down on Saturday, Lindsay. And like the table was set, and Auburn set it themselves for an incredible opportunity. And still, the the fourth and 31, fourth and goal from the 31-yard line, the failure to be able to capitalize in that scenario is going to impact, I think, the psyche of this team for a little bit. And it's okay mm-hmm. because it can't. it's the end of the season. Maybe it'll fuel some, some off-season motivation, give them something to fight for in, in spring. I don't think it's like losing to New Mexico State. I think this is a different thing, but it's bad. I mean, it's a brutal, brutal situation. You see all the statistics that have come out. It's like a 99.9% chance that Auburn was going to win that game. And they didn't. They didn't. And the more I think about it and the more I look at it and the more you think about what this win could have done for Auburn, it's it's not getting it's not getting easier. Yeah. If you if you knock off Alabama in the Iron Bowl, like there's the caveat of yes, you're at home, but I think it completely erases the talk about New Mexico State, right? Like people uh, people will acknowledge and talk about New Mexico State was a bad loss, right? Like, you shouldn't have lost that game. It shouldn't have been so bad or whatever. But sure. if you beat Alabama, there's a very easy counter of, well, we were looking ahead to Alabama and we weren't ready for Alabama. And you can say that now, but it doesn't quite hit the same knowing that you didn't beat Alabama. And to be that close and then to not do it. Like, I don't I don't like moral victories. And 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 this, this loss hurts. Like, 100% it hurts. There's no trying to find a silver lining in this. Uh, I think if you look forward, and we're going to do some more, some, some of that a little bit later in more specifics, I think you can say you have to feel good about Auburn's chances of getting that upset in future seasons based on how it went this year. But there's nothing else to say other than it is a crushing loss for Auburn. And I think it's going to be something that you're going to hear talked about hanging over the coaching staff and Hugh Freeze specifically until they actually do win an Iron Bowl. Because, you know, next year's in Tuscaloosa, those games aren't nearly as close as they are in Jordan-Hare. And then in two years, when you come back, the conversation's going to be, Hugh Freeze almost got one in his first year, but Auburn collapsed. Can he get the monkey off of his back? This is going to be a talking point for a while. And it's a shame that that's going to be the big takeaway of this whole game. Everything great that Auburn did is because of one play at the end that went Alabama's way and not Auburn's, it's now going to be a much different talking point for multiple years. Yeah, it's a national narrative shift. It goes from, okay, Hugh Freeze knows how to beat Nick Saban better than anyone to, 
All right, Hugh Freeze, um, Hugh Freeze's team couldn't close it out. And is that all on Hugh Freeze? No, I think a lot of it's on execution, but it's it's not just one thing. So many Auburn fans want to blame Ron Roberts for the for the only rushing two guys and having a spy. I don't entirely agree with it. And everybody gave their opinion because it felt like there was an eternity before that that final play happened. Uh, multiple timeouts were had. Hugh Freeze knew the call. He okayed it. I mean, there's no way that that conversation didn't happen. I don't love the idea of a spy there, but you know uh, that's a situation where I, I think if that if they run that ten times, I think Alabama only scores on one of them. And it's just unfortunate that Milrow had an incredible throw and Isaiah Bond had an incredible catch. And DJ James, I mean, the coverage wasn't awful. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't as good as what he's done for the, you know a big chunk of the game. But it's just an unfortunate way. That it all crumbles down there at the end. I I do want to like a little bit, and I said the luck thing, not you, but I do want to push back a little bit on this idea of Auburn would have won if not for this amazingly, and I said lucky, amazingly lucky play by play by Milroy and uh, by Milroy and, and catch by Bond and all that. Alabama has practiced this, like this specific scenario. We learned after the game there is a name for this play for Alabama. So I talk about luck and I don't mean luck as in he got lucky to catch it. I mean luck as in the randomness inherent in any small sample size. Braves fans know what I'm talking about with having a great regular season and then just having some bad luck in the postseason with the bats going cold. Um, I'm not saying it's lucky that they completed it. I'm saying that the randomness of a small sample size, like you said, if they do it a hundred times, he com- he completes this probably once or twice. But this is a thing that Alabama has practiced. And I know you don't practice a lot of fourth and 31s on defense, but it also feels like it was it was a combination of a lot of factors. You can't blame the, the two-man rush. Auburn had some three-man rushes in that game that didn't do anything to affect Milrow. We don't know what that third rusher would have done. You can't necessarily blame an individual defender. It was more so Alabama practiced it and it happened to work out this time. So annoying, frustrating, the same time also shows you like, this is a thing that Nick Saban legitimately has spent time trying to do, converting these long plays. They've done it before to win a national championship. And so it's frustrating. I told my wife when the, the right. whole fourth quarter, when we, we had the lead late, I'm like, they're gonna score with about 20 seconds left, watch. And off by a couple seconds, but we expected a Nick Saban team to win the Iron Bowl. We just didn't expect it to happen the way that it did. And I think that the way that it did makes this a lot worse than it would have normally been. Sure. So I do think it's okay to see, all right, that stunk, but I see exciting things in the future of this program. I mean, Hugh Freeze, I think, outcoached Nick Saban mm-hmm. on Saturday, with the exception of some questionable stuff late. I still think... And Daryl and I spent a lot of time on this yesterday, so we don't need to do this now. But I still think him not knowing the personnel in a punt return situation is a bigger deal than some people are making it out to be. Is that the difference in the game? I don't know, but still don't love that situation. Um, I wonder if that impacts anything moving forward. But as far as his overall game plan against Nick Saban in Alabama, I loved it. I loved all of it, and especially on the offensive side. Of the ball, I love it when Auburn teams go into the Iron Bowl believing they can run the football because so many teams are just told over and over and over again that you can't run on Alabama. They didn't buy that. 
Jarquez Hunter, Damari Austin were excellent. And this offensive line was excellent against this Alabama front seven on Saturday. And hopefully, hopefully that sets the tone of this rivalry over the next few years. Yeah, I'm going to say that uh, being able to run as well as you did on Alabama makes me feel good about no matter who's at quarterback for the bowl game, that you're going to have some semblance of an offense because you can run the ball so well. I am going to push back a bit on the punt return. I'm starting to be argumentative in this show on the punt returner thing because they're similar numbers. And I agree with Daryl. This is stupid. Stop doing this. Sure. I've talked to coaches immediately after games, and I'm specifically talking about Butch Thompson, the baseball coach. I've talked to him immediately after games when no player change happens in the game without it being a dead ball, stopped period. They announce it in the stadium, and there's still necessarily, there's so much going on that there's things that they're not 100% sure on, and they have to check the box score before they answer a question from us. And to have in the chaos of a situation like that, to have the backup go in who's wearing the exact same number when you're on the sideline. And Justin Ferguson talked about this where he was on the sideline and he couldn't tell who it was. And that's why it came up in the press conference because they asked. Um, I'm not as bothered by that as a lot of people are simply because I understand how it could happen. Is it mm-hmm. ideal? No. But same number, that is the listed backup at the position. So I get it. I don't love it. I don't think it's as big of a deal as everybody's saying simply because we one of the complaints about Gus Malzahn was he micromanaged everything. This is this is the other side. He has a special teams coach. They delegated to that guy. And as I understand, it was a very quick and abrupt decision because the starter came off the field limping after a play. They sent him in after the, the turnover. Donovan Kaufman went out on defense for the first few plays before Keontae Scott went back into the game. So he wasn't available. Like I get in the heat of the moment, you make a quick change. And with the numbers being the same, you didn't get it. Like I understand that. I don't think it's as big a deal as everybody else is making. Yeah, I I do. But you know, we, we can disagree on that and that's totally okay. All right. Uh, The future I think is bright for this program. And a lot of that has to do with what's happening over the next few weeks. We'll discuss that in just a moment right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets for your next event, whether it's Auburn's bowl game, whether it's Auburn basketball games, or anything. It doesn't have to just be sports. It can be, you know, anything having to do with the arts or concerts, whatever it may be. Game Time has you covered, and it's the only ticketing app that compares their prices to everything else. So you know you're getting the best deal. You can also see Uh, what it's going to look like from your seat in the venue. And so you don't have to worry about, are they bad seats? Or are they going to be in the shade or in the sun? Whatever. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, all one word, LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Lindsey Crosby, our Monday 
guest. So these next few weeks are crucial for the Auburn Tigers. And we've talked about Hugh Freeze's devotion, borderline desperation to bring in elite talent to join this program. And we've already seen what he's done on the plane so far. It's been exceptional. And he's setting up an early signing day that could be, you know, something like we've never seen before here at Auburn. And in fact, if it's all the guys that showed up for the Iron Bowl on Saturday, get ready for some crazy, crazy stuff. Cam Coleman told Brian Smith of AuburnDaily.com and and the Locked On Podcast Network ta- uh, told him that it was going to be on the uh, on early signing day, which is certainly exciting to to see what happens with him. A lot of drama about Ryan Williams as well. Uh, favor Edwin, uh, the he's a three star offensive lineman, but everybody wants him. You know, your Alabamas, your Floridas, your Clemsons, and so if Auburn could pull off some of these guys, Lindsay, all of a sudden. I think a lot of people forget about that six and six record and they get excited for the future again. Yeah. And it's important to remember like how it works when guys can move things like that. If your coach is gone, the, the window opens up virtually right away, but for everybody else, it's the Monday after the conference championship game. So next Monday show is when uh, that's that, that date, not in that show, but on that date is when everybody's going to be formally able to enter. They can declare before that. So yeah, you're, and of course, Lindsay's talking about the portal, which, oh, which is coming yes. up in December. Sorry, um, yes. as well. So the transfer portal is going to be a big part of um, talent, um, getting talent as well. Sure. Yeah, and the dynamic of seeing who enters the portal, who signs on early signing day, and how much one impacts the other is going to be really interesting because you have time for guys to enter the portal and then commit to your school before early signing day, and then you have you can bring in obviously high school seniors and early signing day, and then turning around and does a player then decide to leave because of what happens either in the portal on or, or on early signing day? Going to be really interesting, but I do think and uh, getting guys in that first window, I think is going is going to be a much bigger deal. We saw this roster add a lot of players in the second window last year, yeah. and you know after spring, after you've had an opportunity to. Uh, work in the offense, the coaches to see you and, and evaluate you. And it it does hurt your ability to pick up the offense. And I think we saw that. It's more of the, second, of the next segment, but we saw that quite a bit early this year with guys who didn't quite understand exactly what they needed to do in the offense. So it's mean, something really guys big. trended late, Lindsay. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at Caleb Burton. Is Caleb Burton a bigger part of the offense if he went through spring, like I, I think so. Peyton yeah. Thorne uh, got more comfortable in the offense as the season went on. Does that help if he goes through spring? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I'm I'm with you. I, I think you're going to see a lot of teams, but especially Auburn, be way more active in this first transfer window because they have to be, especially, especially if they go out and get another quarterback. There's a lot of drama right now happening because Mike Elko at Duke is going to Texas A&M. Could, could Riley Leonard possibly be a guy that's like, ah, you know, he may want to follow Elko to A&M. Would he be interested in Hugh Freeze? Would Hugh Freeze even reach out if he entered the portal? Who knows? But that's a name I'm certainly looking at. Grayson McCall entered the portal last year from Coastal Carolina. It looks like both Florida and Auburn tried to get him in, but academics were in the way. 
Now I believe he can grad transfer and go mm-hmm. anywhere. He doesn't have to worry about that as long as he just enrolls in a grad school. So is that a name that would make sense? Uh, there's going to be guys out there. We've seen Will Rogers say that he's going to enter the portal. He may have already technically entered the portal since since uh, the Mississippi State fired their coach. Um, the the Vanderbilt quarterback has has entered the portal. So I mean, you're going to see a bunch of movement mm-hmm. at the quarterback position. Is there going to be a guy that Hugh Freeze and the Auburn staff like more than Peyton Thorne, or does Peyton leave on his own? Because the Auburn fan base hasn't necessarily been super nice to Peyton Thorne either. So I, the quarterback situation, just because Peyton got better over the course of the season, I think that's the that's a key position to watch here over the next few weeks. Yeah, I mean, everybody, not everybody, a lot of the Auburn fan base has wanted to go back to Robbie Ashford all season. And like those kind of things, I know that as fans, and I'm going to say we, the royal we, we like to think that we can have our opinions and it's fine. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change how things work. But you have to remember, these are 18 to 22-year-old, you know, young men. They're on social media. They see these things. They legitimately matter. Does Peyton Thorne, whether or not we bring a quarterback in the portal, does Peyton Thorne, has he seen some of this stuff? Is it frustrating? Does it make him want to leave? Like that could legitimately happen. And so and, and this is something you're going to have to get used to in college football. Like this is how it is now. You're going to have yeah. guys every year, a significant portion of your roster is going to leave. Now, not as much as... Uh, the last couple seasons I feel like we've had between Brian Harson coming in and then him running off half the roster and Lizzie, then I think him getting crazy. Fired. I think the amount of guys that are going to leave this month are going to, or I guess next month is going to be, I think it's going to be wild. I think a bunch of guys are going to leave. Oh gosh. And it's something that like, you just got to understand. Uh, one, Auburn is going to persevere. Auburn University, the program will still be around. The culture is here. The culture is set. Oh, but- I think Auburn's going to come out better. Because yeah. of it, 100%. Yeah, I, I think you're going to see an overhaul in the quarterback room. I think you're going to see them have to go out and get some more offensive linemen, much like they did during the first window a year ago, mm-hmm. because I, I think they're going to need to try to get a guy who could be their gunner Britain next year. I think they're going to find a guy that's at a, you know, a, a solid non, you know, a, a solid group of five school and say, hey, Give us one more year because I think Gunnar Brenton's going to be drafted high and I think he's going to make a lot of money. I think it's going to help your sales pitch. We'll see what happens with Dylan Wade. The defensive front is going to have to be massively overhauled, especially at the jack position. They're bringing in a bunch of young guys, but they're going to have to help that out as well. Linebacker, I think, is actually going to be okay, but the corner room, like they're going to have to get some corners unless they just want to roll with a bunch of young guys. So they're going to have to reload. And in order to do that, you're going to have to have some guys leave. And I think some of that will be willingly. And I think some of it, Auburn will ask some guys to leave. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of movement. And that's always the hard part, right? Is knowing, was this our decision or their decision? And yeah. like fans, you have to understand that that this isn't anything personal, right? This is oftentimes for these guys, legitimately, this is a business decision. Uh, but it's a lot of change. We're not used to it. So it still feels weird. We don't like it but this is the world we live in. Also know that this means it's an opportunity to get this team better. If not for last year's portal, this team doesn't come anywhere close to six and six. So the portal is inherently a good thing because one, it lets you bring in talent when you have massive deficiencies in talent, thanks to the last coaching staff. 
Uh, and two, it gives players more freedom of movement, and that's always a good thing. Uh, so it's going to be tough. It's going to happen. The question here is going to be how well can Auburn manage the process? It feels like they managed it pretty well last year with maybe one significant exception. Uh, so how well can they do that? And then how does the early signing day class, how does that supplement what they can do in the portal? And how many guys can you get out of that class that can be instant contributors in 2024? Because I think that's what matters. And that's really the foundation of building your program is bringing in these these high schoolers. Uh, how many guys can you bring in that are yeah, top no, talents that can contribute? Yeah, recruiting is important. No question about it. All right, let's discuss the position group that I think is going to be overhauled the most, and it needs it. certainly needs it. That's coming up right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. If you're looking for a place to wager on all the sports action, look, it's championship week coming up, as well as bowl season. You want to get in on the action with our friends at FanDuel. And look, as the weather gets colder, the offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about FanDuel, now is the perfect time. Perfect time to get on the action. You can bet on spreads, player pops, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off your sports winning. Once again, FanDuel.com slash locked on. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Lindsay, the wide receiver room, I'm very intrigued with how they handle this because I could see it going two ways. This offseason, I could see them saying, we've got to overhaul everything. Let's just start over from scratch because it was that bad this offseason. Really, the only guy, the only guy that you can kind of look at and say he's not going anywhere is Caleb Burton, just because he can't. He'd have to sit out of here in order for him to leave. And also, I think this coaching staff really talked him up later in the season and gave him some love and some opportunity. And he took advantage of it. Once mm -hmm. again, if I, I think if he would have come in the first window in December and not over the summer after spring, I think he's a bigger part of this offense outside of that. I, I don't really see an argument for keeping anyone. And a lot of these guys that they brought in through the portal are out of eligibility. Right outside of Caleb Burton, your Mardner, your Shorters, your Hooks—they're they're they're out of eligibility. So then you look at, to me, it's two guys you got to have the discussion on, and it's Jay Fair and Javarius Johnson. I think Jay Fair staying. Javarius Johnson's interesting. He still has his COVID year, but he walked for Senior Day. And so, to me, if I'm Auburn, especially after the Iron Bowl he just had. I'm I'm approaching Javaris Johnson and saying, we need you to stay. We need you to stay. Yes, the room was bad. Yes, you've been battling minor injuries all over the place and really throughout your career at Auburn, and it's unfortunate, but we need you to stay and be a leader for all of these young kids that are about to come in. And Jay Fair is going to be a part of that leadership as well, I think. I hope. I hope he doesn't go anywhere. But to me, I mean, that room needs an overhaul really with the exception of Javarius Johnson, in my opinion. 
Yeah, they they really, one, he got healthy, and two, they really figured out what to do with Javarius Johnson down the stretch. You know, you look at at some of at some of his stuff here. First couple games, four catches on four targets in the first game against UMass, and then, you know, barely more than two targets until Vanderbilt, and you hit a streak. Five targets against Vandy. He had three against Arkansas, three against Mexico State, five against Alabama, double-digit yards in each of them, puts up, I think, five touchdowns in that stretch, four touchdowns in that stretch. So I see the benefit of this is a complicated wide receiver playbook. There's a lot of responsibilities on the wide receivers. You're a veteran. Is that in true? Because that's all, what we've been told. all the receivers going into it said they simplified everything. So I don't even know if that's true. I mean, that's a talking point, but I don't know if that's true, Lindsay. I really don't know. It may have been, okay, none of y'all are picking this up, so we're going to shorten it and make it easier. Uh, but Talking point has been there's a lot of responsibilities for wide receivers. You're a veteran who's been in college football now for, you know, 27 years. You know all the veteran tactics and tricks. Let's have you uh, be around for a year, you know, make him a captain, whatever you got to do, get him to be here to help teach the young guys. Because we talked about early signing day. There's a lot of rumors that Auburn's bringing in a lot of wide receiver talent on early signing day. Um, transfer portal. Hopefully you can do a better job with these guys than you did last time. And I think one of the big things there is a lot of those guys were second window selections and not first window selections because arguably your transfers, your big wide receiver transfers last year outside of Burton, like you said, you didn't hit on any of them. Jair Shorter, you didn't hit on. Shane Hooks, you didn't hit on. Nick Marner, you didn't hit on. And Marner, to me, is the most disappointing one because he went through spring and we heard good things. And he was with the ones consistently when they were doing stuff in practice during our you know media viewing windows. And it just never happened. It does sound like he got banged up and maybe never recovered from an injury. And if that's the case, that's unfortunate. But yeah, I hate that. The shorter thing, I'm seeing a lot of people talk about how shorter was a whiff by this coaching staff. I'm going to push back on that a little bit. My understanding is how the Jair shorter to Auburn thing happened is he came down for a workout and Auburn was concerned with his health, with his leg injury that he was battling. And it took them a while for them to give him a committable offer is my understanding of how that went. So I don't think Auburn rushed anything with Jair shorter. I think it was, uh, well, we've got the scholarship space. You're a veteran. You've got natural ability. If it all comes together, awesome. I think that was a lottery pick that just didn't pan out. So, And then Hooks, we all saw his tape, and we all saw how impressive he was in fall camp. I mean, that it, there was that scrimmage where he had that one-handed catch out of the back of the end zone, and Auburn's hyping him up with social media content and videos, and everybody that was in attendance was talking about how incredible he was. And so I don't think we're wrong. I don't think it was like that far off for us to say this is going to be a good <laughs> a good option in the offense. It just didn't pan out. So, and look, I was higher on hooks than anybody, right? I thought hooks was going to be a thousand yard receiver, which now in hindsight sounds ridiculous, but (laughs) that's what I predicted going into the season. And so that one was just, that one I think was more of a whiff um, than shorter. And then Martiner, a guy who went through spring and had familiarity with what Marcus Davis wanted to do at wide receiver, you know, from a wide receiver coach point of view, that one to me is the one that I'm kind of scratching my head the most is like, how was that guy able to go through all of this and not be one of the top few receivers? It has to be injury related. Yeah. I mean, on the injury point, it has to, because he didn't get into a game until week three and he got a grand total of 16 snaps across his four games. So 
either he is injured or he is a completely different player in practice because like you said, he went through spring and there's no reason that you should get four combined snaps in yeah. your first four, the first four games of the season after having gone through spring, assuming you're healthy. So frustrating. Um, I do think it's interesting guy that we have not discussed in here that a lot of the fan base had really high hopes for was Camden Brown mm. and something where, like you said, I don't think there's very many guys on this roster that you're like, these guys can't transfer. We can't let them leave. And going into the season, I thought Camden Brown was going to be one of those guys. And I, I think Cam Brown needs to transfer for Cam Brown. I think he needs a fresh start somewhere. I mm -hmm. think he could totally succeed somewhere else. I just, I don't think, I don't think the best thing for Cam Brown is to stay at Auburn. I'm just, that's just me being honest. Yeah. I mean, it's, he he finished the year with eight catches for 78 yards, and that's that's not what we expected him to do after his second year in the program. It's just it's that's yeah, was, the big. It, it was targeted 16 times, and so it's like he's he's not hauling in one for every. How many of those were drops? He's credited with one via PFF, and that feels like way too way too few. I feel like yeah. he dropped at I mean, least was a three few or weeks four. ago. Yeah, they went to him on third down, two plays or two drives in a row, and. Both of them slipped through his hands, so I, I don't know if I'm buying that. But yeah, I think it's in Cam's, Cam Brown's best interest to probably get a fresh start somewhere. We'll see. And look, I've talked to I've talked to folks close to Javarius Johnson, and it seems like he thinks a fresh start would be good for him as well. I'm hoping after the Iron Bowl performance, he wants to stay. But we'll see. We will see. Lindsay, yeah. how can people check out everything you've got going on? I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Uh, my minor league podcast, Locked in MB Prospects, where you get your podcasts. You can find uh, my written work, AuburnDaily.com, BravesToday.com. And in fantasy football, you can find me beating Zach Blackerby. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That has not been my gear for my college team, for my NFL team, or my fantasy teams. But that's okay. That's okay. We beat Arkansas. So, there we go. There we go. Subscribe to the show. Helps the channel out a bunch. Find out my written work at AuburnDaily.com. We'll see you tomorrow. This has been Locked On Auburn. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.